Good morning, Las Vegas, and welcome to Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, Jono. As always, we pay respect to traditional custodians of the lands we're coming from, the Gadigal people of the Aurora Nation. Well, Jono, before we get on to an extraordinary League Cup final between Liverpool and Chelsea, and as well as the NRL launching in Las Vegas at the end of the week, what were some of the other headlines uh, from the sporting week that's been? Yeah, of course, always a packed week of sport. Um, I think for me, I'm going to start with football. Um, realistically, it was a, a, a bit of a highlight. It was messy. Um, and yep, what yep. he's just showing that he is an absolutely incredible dribbler. Um, if you haven't seen it, I would say definitely go on YouTube, go anywhere on social media to take a look of him actually dribbling over a defender. So sorry, Andrew Brody, you did get dribbled over by Messi. He, did, he, did. he was able to essentially get the shot off. So it would have been so, so good if he would have been yep. able to score that goal. Um, but it just showed that incredible calm, composed nature of Messi when he's dribbling. It just was so smooth in how he was able to do that and again just shows that he's on a level of his own when it comes to his ability to move on the pitch with the ball uh secondly sticking with football as well the announcement from tony cruz that he will be joining um, germany yep for the euros look i mean yeah he is aging but he's still just such a class player and that's what they need this german side i think needs some stability some there composure. they need somebody yeah who can just move that ball around and essentially just sit essentially and just get receive the ball play yeah. it around receive the ball play it around that's what you need every great team has a player who kind of can facilitate like that yeah. some have ones that are workhorses but in this case it's going to be someone who's going to sit a little bit he's not going to be running ragged around the pitch he's going to receive the ball and then play it and pick out those pockets and everything which is fantastic to see um so hopefully even we'll potentially see him in person yep. um, in the euros this year and then lastly some big news i think from the nba is steve kerr essentially signing a two-year extension for 35 million with the golden state warriors um, i think what that signifies as well as you know for it to be a two-year extension I think what that shows as well is that there is that possibility that I think at the end of that two years, we might see him potentially step away as we're seeing a little bit of a change there in Golden State. Um, but we all know Steve Kerr is going to be a, a, a coach that's going to make sure that he establishes the next generation of talent yep. in that team if he does leave after this two years. And I think we're kind of seeing that. Clay Thompson taking you know a bench role now, coming off the bench. Steph Curry still absolutely you know, scoring from everywhere and in his greatness, but realistically slowing down a little bit as well. But he's bringing in that young talent. So I think before he goes, if he does go after this two years, we'll see him kind of bring in that next generation of talent. Yeah, good news for the Golden State Warriors. For me, John, I, the Matildas were back in action, um, recording in the end a pretty comfortable 3-0 away win against Uzbekistan in the first leg of their Olympic qualifier. Yep. They returned to Australia to a sold-out Docklands where they should uh, hopefully secure... Uh, their passage towards Paris and the Olympics, uh, which again is a massive tournament for them and one they, they want to go in and possibly try and win. Uh, the NRL world, Wigan upset Penrith Panthers from Australia, Jono. So over in England, the World Club Challenge, Wigan winning 16 points to 12, so denying the three-peat Panthers, the World Club Challenge title yeah. as well. Um, obviously tough for the Panthers, really their first proper trial game. They're, obviously yeah. the season hasn't started yet, but Jono... Uh, a big win for Wigan and probably good for NRL in terms of internationally and obviously in England as well. Yeah, definitely. It's definitely good for the international market to see that. And as you said, for the Panthers as well. I mean, look, they're coming off essentially being cold, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. this isn't this isn't the typical team that we'd be seeing and everything. And then also some changes this year anyway in terms of personnel and everything. So good, good, good to see them kind of back in action. But yep. overall, it's not going to be the Panthers that we're going to be seeing in this upcoming no, no, absolutely. season. And a bit of cricket news. Uh, Western Australia claimed the Marsh Cup, so the one-day international yep. title here in Australia with a five-wicket win over New South Wales, while Tasmania defeated Queensland by six wickets in the women's uh, final as well. So congratulations to both of those teams winning the one-day titles. 
Well, John, as I mentioned at the top of the show, it was a, a thrilling, a, a tight, a, um, had a bit of everything, the League Cup final between Liverpool and Chelsea. And it was Liverpool that were able to outlast Chelsea. Virgil van Dijk, the captain uh, on the day, uh, scoring in the 118th minute, so obviously only a couple of minutes away from penalties. Um, and I guess most extraordinarily, Jono, was the Liverpool side uh, at that time in extra time Plenty of youngsters on. Obviously, yeah. we know the injuries. Nunez was out. Salah was out. Slobberschlei was out. Uh, Gravenberg went off early with an injury. So a remarkable effort by yeah. Jono, by Klopp's team to, to win the game and outlast this Chelsea team. And this Chelsea team's been given a bit of criticism, especially the way they played in extra time. And Pochettino pretty much admitted in his press conference afterwards that they were playing for penalties. So Jono, yeah. a remarkable story for Klopp, but obviously the pressure piles on Chelsea and Pochettino. Yeah, I mean, look, I think that this just kind of goes to Klopp's legacy and everything like that. Another trophy in the cabinet for him and his Liverpool success, which is great. It wasn't a game that Liverpool necessarily, I feel like, needed to win. Chelsea played quite well in the 90 minutes as well. And they did, and I think that, look, this game was all the pressures on Chelsea to perform. absolutely. And look, they did perform, as you said, in in that actual regulation time. In the first 90 minutes, they did perform there. They had chances. Both teams had chances that got called back. There was... There was good opportunities at goal, but it was just how the game finished there. It's just kind of just, it encapsulated all the problems that they're kind of having right now. And again, with all the problems that Chelsea has had from last season onto this season, they needed this. They really, really, really needed this. Pochettino needed this. The whole squad needed this. I think almost the the Premier League needed this as well in terms of just boosting Chelsea because that helps them with all the other revenue and everything like that as well. I mean, but man, it is such a shame what's going on there. It just seems that it's it's consistently just getting it wrong. It's getting it wrong in terms of the way sometimes that they approach the games. It's getting the wrong in the wrong in the wrong places of the field in terms of play as well. It's sloppiness in some areas, and in this case. It just seemed like it was a sloppy tactic, basically. You know yep. what I mean? Like, take advantage of the fact that this isn't the traditional Liverpool team no, that would be out from. there. Take advantage of that. You have enough talent on that squad to be able to take advantage of that. But they didn't want to do that, it seemed like. And overall, yeah, I mean, of course they're going to get criticism now because they just didn't come to the table when they needed to. And special mention, I think, to, to Endo, the Japanese midfielder in the, in the central midfield for Liverpool. I thought he was outstanding during the game. And I guess what it showed, Jono, was the culture that Klopp has built in this club. Yeah. Doesn't matter who comes on the field for Liverpool, the confidence that those youngsters were able to exude. I know Chelsea allowed them to play, yeah. but still to step into such a big occasion oh, at Wembley in front of 80,000 fans, uh, millions worldwide watching, to be able to have the confidence to step on there and take it to these multi-millionaire Chelsea mm-hmm. players who have been paid an absolute uh, yeah. bucketful. Um, credit to them and credit to the club of Liverpool. And I guess it, it just re-emphasises Whoever the next manager is in for Klopp, he's got a massive yeah. task on their hands because of what Klopp has been able to build there. But possibly the first one of a few trophies this year for Liverpool. Yep. For Chelsea, it now only leaves the FA Cup, which we know is going to be a tough run. Manchester City, Liverpool, etc. Yep. still in that. So, John, it could be potentially a trophy this year for Pochettino and Chelsea. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's just the reality of where they're at right now as a team and as a club essentially too, is that this is the harsh reality of things and this was the golden opportunity to at least get one trophy on the year. Um, look, the season's pretty much, it, it, it's gone for them. They're, they're clearly not finishing top four anywhere near, it seems like. Um, and then, yeah, as you said, it's going to be a huge task to go against potentially Liverpool again, City again, like yep. all those teams that are still in and amongst it as well um, in the FA Cup too. So, 
Chelsea fans, if I'm you, I'm going to brace for another really, really uh, harsh season and just hopefully that at the end of it, you end up a little bit better than the way that you started this year. Well, as European season or football season begins to reach its, um, I guess, climax and, and obviously business end, on the other end of the scale, Jono, the NRL season here in Australia um, kicks off next weekend. And for, I guess... Um, the first game has been kicked off in Las Vegas. Obviously, we know the, the NRL were keen to get into the American market and um, they've been able to bring uh, four teams over uh, to Las Vegas, uh, which will be Sunday afternoon, Australian time in regards to the games, mainly taking on South Sydney, while the Brisbane Broncos will take on the Sydney Roosters. Johnny, before we go into, I guess, um, the NRL and its reasons for going over there, what have you made of, of the build-up, obviously being American, but obviously being here in Australia now? What have you made of the build-up in terms of uh, the NRL going over there and, and I guess the excitement levels that have been felt here, but also uh, the excitement levels that we've felt maybe in the States in terms of, I guess, this new sport and still, uh, yeah. I guess, for many Americans, a strange sport to be to be watching. Yeah, like I, I think from the perspective of being here, they've done a pretty decent job yep. in terms of marketing and everything like that. Now, I don't know how much they're pushing in terms of in America. I can say right now, when you look across, uh, you know, any American version of uh, ESPN, SportsCenter, all that, I, you're not seeing it as of right now um, in terms of just general conversation. So you'd hope that it starts to ramp up in terms yep. of that conversation. I really hope as well in terms of just that Vegas area too, that they're able to market it because it is something that I think a lot of fans within America might like to see right it's it's a sport that intrigues them i think there's always that conversation as well as you grow up in in america is oh who's tougher rugby or, yep. or nfl yep. players yep. so this is the great opportunity to go ahead and see it they also think oh wow they don't have pads this that. again it's an ample opportunity to see it at a very very high level as well so i look I, I think as i said from an australian perspective it looks like they're marketing it pretty well it's looking like it's going well so far but is it really going to be you know, as successful, I don't know. The only only thing that's going to indicate that is how many fans realistically are going to be in those stadiums. Well, talking about the fans, they've apparently sold 30,000 tickets um, already. I think they're hoping to, to get around 40,000. We know Allianz Stadium, which has just hosted yeah. the Super Bowl, um, holds 65,000. So I think if they get around 40,000, yeah, yeah. 40, they're it's probably success, going to be yeah. pretty happy. We also know it's going to be on Fox uh, Fox over in yeah. the States. They're going to show it live. So obviously give plenty of Americans the chance to tune yeah. in and, and watch um, this intriguing sport. And I guess what they've done well from the Australian perspective is they've sent, some, sent over some of obviously their biggest products in regards to yeah. teams as well yeah. as players. We know Latrell Mitchell for South yeah. Sydney, Tom Travojevic yeah. um, for Manly, James Tedesco yeah. for the Sydney Roosters. So in but, terms of some of the most marketable yeah. players, well Reese Walsh for the yeah. Brisbane Broncos, we saw what he did last year. Jono, that's probably a really positive thing in terms of sending over some of those most marketable players mm. that we have in our game um, across the, the American and, and hopefully some of the Americans fall in love with the way some of these boys um, take it to them and, and obviously play the game in terms of the NRL. Yeah, I mean, definitely. And as you said, I think that's a, that's a really good point in particular when this is the first instance of kind of them going over to the States as well is you have to bring over that top tier yeah. talent. Yeah. You have to bring over the big names and everything like that. So then when people kind of look into the teams and everything like that, they can re start to recognize. Um, so it's, it's, it's smart by the NRL to do that. 
Um, but again, it's, it's just going to come down to let's hope that the stadium is packed and let's also hope that then that just increases a little bit of viewership and everything like that throughout the season. Maybe even just something as simple as increased volume of, of highlight watches and stuff because we know the time difference. You know, look, not every American is going to get up in the middle of the night to, to watch the game, but at least maybe some more uh, volume of traffic through the websites and everything like that can actually be an indication as to if this was successful or not. In terms of, I guess, the broader question of sporting competitions and sporting, um, I guess, yes, different sports taking their code overseas for, for rounds, as, as we've seen for this, Super Cups, as we've seen Italy and, yeah. and Spain. Do you think it's a positive thing in terms of the NRL, looking at the NRL specifically? I guess there, has, there was just the annual poll of chief executives and chairmen who voted positively uh, for this move into Vegas. And, and Peter Volandis, um, the head of the NRL, the NRL commission, um, has come out and said that this is a long-term vision and, and we won't really know until maybe years four and five whether this has been successful mm. in terms of a commercial perspective and the money that it's going to make for the game, which can be generated yep. and, and funded back into the game here. Do you think sport, with the way it is working now, John, and the global appeal of sport, especially some sports such as football, as we know, do you think it, it's it's a reality where where organisations and competitions are going to be forced into possibly taking a round um, or cups or etc. overseas to, to try and increase their market share? Yeah, it's a tough one because one, from a fan perspective, you hate it. Yeah, right? absolutely. You absolutely hate it. And we've yep. seen that in particular across the globe in the footballing world when you know big teams try to you know potentially play some major games overseas and everything like that and the fans are just uh, just an up in an uproar right but in saying that look from a perspective of growing your league in yep. terms of increasing the revenue which then allows for more bigger and better players potentially allows for more opportunities it kind of increases that overall club mentalities as well hopefully the money's funneling back into the clubs as well and everything i see where it can make sense and yep. like for example in the nfl as well it seems to be really successful yep, yep. with them taking their games over to europe at least one or two games i would say there needs to be a little bit of a cap on it though right there it can only be maybe one round or so like yep, that one yep. or two games it can't be something that they're going a couple times a season to go travel across or anything like that no, it I needs agree. to be just enough where they can get a little bit of an extra audience to again increase that revenue, which then hopefully funnels back into the clubs. Um, but into not, grassroots as well. And grassroots, yeah. yeah. And but not enough where then you're really just you're hurting the fans, right? You're yeah. hurting the local fan base then at that point if you're taking away that many games. In particular, you know, you look at some sports where there actually aren't that many rounds. So I'll use the NFL as an example. Yeah. You know, when you have a 16, 18 week season, right? And that means only eight home games potentially. You're taking one away, so now you only have seven home games the yep. whole year. Yep. Yep. Whereas maybe some other sports where there's a lot more games, so let's say uh, football across the globe, so in Europe, the Premier League, wherever it is, you're playing all year round. There's a lot more rounds and everything like that. Potentially, you can get away with it. Same with here. You're playing 20, 25 rounds or so. You can maybe get away with it, but it is that kind of balancing act of the two where I think it can be very rewarding if it's done right and if you actually get that audience to, to link on to your sport as well. Well, I think, as you, as you mentioned, the fans too often are left behind yeah. when it comes to business decisions and especially um, monetary decisions around what clubs and competitions do, especially these days where mm. we, we've seen takeovers and, and we know what's happening in the global world of sport. Looking at, say, a sport like football, John, how would you feel in terms of, I guess, looking at Italy and Spain where they've taken their, their sort of super cups and made it a four-team competition in Saudi Arabia? 
some of the reasoning being they're trying to compete with the Premier League and mm. and the billions and and you know the the huge worldwide appeal that the Premier League has, which the Italian league and and Spanish league just don't have. Yeah. Um, what do you make of those sort of decisions? Where I guess where fans will miss out on 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 watching their teams in, in say a cup competition, but it's obviously it, it's justified by the competition that that they need to try and keep generating and keep and sort of I guess market themselves to a global audience. Yeah, it's a tough one. I mean, look, in particular when you're talking about cups and everything like that, I don't think necessarily cup finals and stuff like that should be in a different country. That should be in the home country. Yeah. Yep. Potentially some of the early games and everything like that, that you can do, as well as then it would just be looking at the regular season games, right? You should be picking out a couple from there and bringing those ones over. But by no means should anywhere close to, let's say, a quarter, semi, or a final be in a different country or anything like yep. that. That's one of the beauties of you know, having cup competitions in and among your season and everything like that, right? That's the beauty of it, the passion behind it from the players and the fans, and you're essentially taking that away from a lot of them. Yeah. So, look, I'm okay with it from in the earlier stages, potentially, again, if it's working, and then also a couple games in the regular season, but you can't be doing it when it comes to anywhere in the latter stages of any cups or any regular competitions as well. You can't be taking too big of a marquee game or anything like that as well. Um, so you got to be really selective with it. In, in, but I also understand that they're trying to put some of the biggest games as yeah. well to get the best revenue. So it's a balancing act. But otherwise, you're going to start to diminish your own fan base in your home country as well. And that's what the one thing that you don't want. You want to grow everywhere, including in your home country as well. And I guess the way sports have tried to, to monetize themselves globally without sacrificing, uh, I guess, the local and, yeah. and the, the competition um, itself is, I guess, using preseason tours, yeah. etc., or or um, yeah, regular games before the season actually begins to go and interact with those global fans. I know it's obviously a huge tax on the players and yeah. in terms of some of the travel they do before they even start the season is, yeah. is quite amazing. Um, but I guess that's the way they they um, demonstrate, you know, wanting to go and see those fans on, on the other side of the world. Yeah, it's a tough one with preseason as well because essentially it gets into that exhibition kind of Absolutely. kind of feel and everything yep. like that. Yep. And, you know, some of the top players and everything like that, there's not that same competitive edge. They're just basically trying to go through a little bit of the emotion emotions with a bit of intensity, but to the point of where they know they're not going to exert all their energy, get hurt or anything like that as well. So it's a tough one because you're not truly showing what you are. And, and then a lot of the people who are attending those are just, yeah, they are fans of that team, this, that. I don't know how many more additional uh, rogue fans, let's call them, are you yep. really bringing in because it just lacks a little bit of intensity. I know myself, I've been to a couple preseason games, exhibition games, things like that. And you just walk away feeling like that just wasn't what you know it, that those teams could be playing Absolutely. like. So um, you get a little bit disappointed there. Um, but at the same time, I understand as well, that is the opportunity, I guess, if you're not doing it during the season, to go out and engage with the international audience. Well, it's certainly a, a question and a, an issue, not an issue, or, or something that sport is going to have to consider. It's going to be intriguing to see how the NRL, how successful it is this weekend, not only from the people that turn up, but from the people that tune in yeah. in, in regards to the States. Yeah. Um, because I think people will tune in here in Australia. Perfect time for, for us here on a Sunday afternoon. Yeah. But as I said, John, we'll be interested to see if it's a success and, and whether they, they continues for years two, three, four, and five, and it continues to grow in that, and they're able to get a small chunk of yeah. that American marketplace, which we know would be... Huge. A huge, oh, huge. Uh, revenue uh, yeah. for, for the NRL. So as I said, it, it's something that we'll keep a close eye on. But I am looking forward to seeing how it uh, how it all plays out on, on Sunday afternoon. Um, 
And those skinny fields, the Allegiant Stadium, yeah. not quite as wide as, as some of the regular NRL fields. It's going to be interesting to see how the, how the players adapt yeah. um, and how the American supporters uh, go in and support yeah. as well. Well, as always, Donald Land with five quick questions. I've got you this week. Let's do it. Let's go, mate. All right, number one, I guess from the League Cup, will Pochettino see out the season with Chelsea? The pressure is growing. Um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful that yes, again, because I want to give managers the opportunity. They did, they didn't play necessarily no, bad. You're right. You're right. I, I understand like he's a little bit to blame as well for the decision in that extra time, but um, look, you know that he has the the potential yep. to be a great manager there. It's just making sure that he puts the right pieces in place and the right tactics. And right now, it's not necessarily working out as much as he wants it to, yep. but there is glimmers of hope, so I'd hope that they keep him on just for that sense. Well, even as a United fan, I think Chelsea have actually played some better football yeah. than even us this year, even though we are have got a few more results. Yeah. So be interesting to see where they go from here. Number two, Jono, as we near the NBA playoffs, quite remarkably, we're, yeah. we're getting close. Will, do you think, both the Lakers and the Warriors make at least the playing tournament, both sitting ninth and 10th in the West, but they do have a little bit of a, a gap between, I think, Utah mm. sitting in 11th. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna say yes, just based on experience between the between the two of the two of those teams. Um, I think they're pretty much gonna be a lock for the play-in tournament. Yep. Um, I don't think that they're gonna have enough in the tank to to climb up to to kind of get into those spots where you secure. I think your you're spot. Phoenix sitting Phoenix in six at the moment. Yeah, Phoenix Suns, Mavericks. It's gonna be probably one of them who's gonna yep. sitting there as well as the Pelicans potentially. The West is quite amazing, um, regards to yeah, how tight it is. Oh, it's very tight. When you compare it to the East, yeah, it's very very tight. When you look at the difference between the one and the two yep. side, yep. two two seed in the East compared to the one in the sixth seed in the West, yeah, yeah, so different. But um, yeah, I think they have enough to to make sure that they're locks in for the play for the play in tournament at least. We saw the Australian cricket team just recently wrap up a, a successful three series T20 series against New Zealand in New Zealand. The last hit out or T20 hit out yep. before the T20 World Cup. Will Steve Smith be on the plane in that T20 cricket World Cup squad? We know that he really wants to, but he hasn't uh, set the he hasn't been able to score too many runs in this latest series. Do you think he'll still be on the plane? Yeah, it's a hard one because you're right. I mean, I don't think he's performing to what we typically would be associating yep, with yep. Steve Smith, but I think. Just purely based on experience, you need kind of that balance and everything. I do think they have a lot of experience in the squad, but he is an experienced player that sometimes in those crucial moments, he might be coming up. And again, yep. it's that thing of he might not be hot all the time, but when he's hot, he is he is the man yep. there. Yep. So um, I'm going to say yes, but if if no, then that's that's a huge change of the guard there a little bit. Yeah, and no, I'd like to see him get on the plane, but it'll be interesting to see what the selectors do with that one. Back to the League Cup. Is the League Cup... The last piece of silverware Liverpool win this year, considering their injury list. Yeah, that's um. Oof, they that's could potentially one. do a quadruple. Yeah, or just yeah. win the one. Look, um, I'm gonna say no. It's not gonna be. Okay. I'll say that they'll win something else, just purely on the basis of these players absolutely love Jurgen Klopp, and I think They're that playing maybe for something bigger. yeah, they will be playing to just send him out on top in some way. Um, so I'm going to say that they'll push for just a, one more piece of silverware this year. Yeah, no, it'll be intriguing to see how all that goes. And lastly, Jono, will the Kardashian curse strike again with the rumours, rumoured romance between Kim and Odell Beckham Jr.? I mean, I kind of feel like his career has already kind of had that up and down nature. So Let's put a final nail in um, it. Yeah, this might this might be the, the nail in the coffin for him. So um, OBJ, you've had a great career. 
a lot of good highlights. You can catch as many balls with one hand as possible, but it might be uh, you might have just uh, shot yourself in the foot there. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how that budding romance yeah. develops. Well, that brings to the end another episode of Behind the Lights with me, Seb. And me, John. As always, thank you for your support and good night.